Welcome to The First 10 Years, a career podcast focused on learning from our past to propel us into the future. I'm your host, Danielle Doolin. I'm a communications professional, career and finance writer, and a career changer. But most importantly, I'm fascinated by work and how it fits into the bigger picture of life. I love to ask questions and want to know everything there is to know about how to have a successful and fulfilling career. On the first 10 years podcast, I'll reflect on my career journey thus far and invite other professionals and experts into the conversation so we can learn together how to turn the first 10 years of our career into a foundation for our ideal future. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the first 10 years podcast. I'm so excited you're here and you're tuning in for episode two. This is a really fun episode today because I'm joined by my first guest, Alana Lynn Gross. Alana and I have been internet friends for a while now. We've run in similar circles, writing online, and we've been connected on Instagram and have had the opportunity to virtually meet. And she's just had a really great career, and I was excited to have a conversation with her to dig in more to her first 10 years to hear what she's been up to, to get some of her career advice that she shares in her book, What Next? And I'm just so excited to have this platform and this opportunity just to sit down with her and and learn about her in a way that I haven't before. That's the beauty of this podcast, that I get a chance to learn alongside with you about what people have been doing in their careers. And we're in very similar timeframes in our careers. We're both in our our 30s, and it was fun to kind of reminisce a little bit about where we've been and the different culture that we grew up in um, as we started our careers. So a little bit more about Alana. She is a senior content manager at Monster, a journalist, and an author. She has been featured in a slew of publications. It's truly astonishing. She's been published in Forbes, Fortune, Fast Company, Time, Entrepreneur, USA Today, Glamour, Marie Claire, Cosmopolitan, Elle, Women's Day, Good Housekeeping, Red Book, Allure, Women's Health, Teen Vogue, Insider, Well and Good, Monster, The Muse, Pop Sugar, Refinery29, Yahoo Delish, and many more. That is a mouthful. It is truly amazing the work that she's done and what she's reported on and what she's shared and all of the great advice. Um, Her book, What Next? Your Five-Year Plan for Life After College, was published by Simon & Schuster in 2020 and has been called the book every 20-something needs, the go-to guide for life after college, and basically the Google Maps for post-grad life. And I can 100% attest to this. I read it when it came out in 2020, so I was about seven years into my career, and I was like, where was this book when I graduated? It is everything you need to know for those first five years after graduation. There's such tangible advice. It's so actionable. It's broken up into four different sections, which we get into in our conversation. We talk about career and finance, wellness and relationships. It is just, it's so good. It makes the perfect graduation gift. I know it's not graduation season, but if you know anyone graduating or upcoming graduations, please consider getting Alana's book. It is like truly everything that someone could need when they're stepping into their early career. She also has a master's degree in journalism from Columbia University and lives in New York City with her dog Rosie, who made an appearance when we were recording. She's so cute. This was just such a fun conversation. It was great to catch up with Alana and learn more about her, and I hope you really enjoy this conversation. 
it just goes to show how much we grow and evolve throughout the first 10 years of our career and how we take that into that next chapter in our lives. And it's really exciting to see. I love hearing the firsthand experience of what people have been up to. And I look forward to bringing you more guests in the future. So enjoy my conversation with Alana. Yeah, I had been freelancing for them since 2016 and came on permanently in 2021 as a writer first. Then I was promoted to editor, then content manager, then senior content manager. So I manage all of our content on uh, the high, on the side that works on management advice and hiring advice. So more business to business content. Before that, I'd always done career advice. That's awesome. What do you like better? You know, I will always love career advice. That was kind of my first writing love, but helping businesses manage better and create a more healthy workplace and company culture is also, you know, something that I'm really interested in. And also the hiring process. It's so ridiculous. The amount of hoops that you have to jump through to get to a job, like, round after round after round of interviews or you get and then you get ghosted and all of these things that like it's too much like if I can help businesses streamline that process and find someone faster and not make people jump through so many hoops I think that would be great too and also the ghosting thing has to end yeah I don't understand that I've had that happen with recruiters before that like they reached out to me they're like hey are you interested in this role and I've gotten back to them like yeah here here's my resume and then like nothing I was like but you reached out to me like that doesn't make any sense cool well thank you for for joining us today I'm really excited to have this conversation um so we were talking a little before we started recording and you are kind of in the same stage that I am that you're in your kind of entering your mid-career, um, exiting mm-hmm. that early career stage, which is wild to say. But um, I want to start the conversation by learning a little bit more about you and um, your career and kind of what your aspirations were. But I want to start by asking, um, what did you want to be when you grew up? That's such a good question. And I was trying to think about that this morning. I don't know if I ever was like, okay, I really want to be X, but looking back on what I enjoyed, it was always English classes. I remember in kindergarten writing a little series of books with two kids in my class. And then I always had like a novel going on on the side, like after homework I was writing, I was always my favorite way to communicate. And so I think the signs were all there that I should be a writer, um, but I didn't really connect the dots until much later. Oh, that's really interesting. Did that get lost in translation along the way? Like at what point did you, did like your logical brain take over and like your creative side kind of subside? Because I feel like I had very similar tendencies, but I was like, you need a job and writing wasn't a thought in my mind. Yeah, I think that it was so funny. I remember when I was trying to decide a major in college, I was like interested in both journalism and criminal justice. And my friend was like, well, don't do journalism. I'm a journalism major. That's my thing. And I was like, okay. It's just so funny <laughs> how those things happen. But, um, <laughs> but I think that I, you know, I was going to school in DC and there were so many great internship opportunities. So when I was there, I interned 
on the Hill. I interned at the White House. I interned at the Pentagon and then at the FBI for two years. And so I think I was just so excited about the environment I was in and being able to do all those internships and being in the political world. And, you know, my dad is a lawyer thinking about law school. And I think I got swept up in that. And it wasn't until later that I kind of reflected on really what I wanted, but I wouldn't exchange that. It was such a, it was a really great opportunity to be able to have all of those experiences. That's awesome. So what did you actually get your degree in and from where? Criminal justice. Yes. From uh, George Washington University for undergrad. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So walk me through those first 10 years of your career. And you mentioned some internships that you had, but what happened once you graduated? Yeah. So usually they hire interns um, from the FBI as full-time employees, but I was graduating in a tough economy and there was a hiring freeze. So they weren't hiring people. And so I needed a job. I was like, "Uh Oh, you know, I had this plan all planned out. Now I don't know what I'm going to do. So I became a paralegal and I really missed having a creative outlet. So on the side, you know, at night after work and on the weekends, I started this blog about all the topics my friends and I discussed as we navigated our early careers. So everything from, How do I ask for a raise to how do I edit my resume to, you know, how do I interview well? And that was really my creative outlet. And that started picking up steam and getting more recognition. And then I worked at an organization called Levo League that did career advancement advice for millennial women. And I was there for a little over a year, loved it, then worked at social media marketing companies for a number of years. And while I was working in social media marketing, I continued with my blog and I continued to freelance for other organizations. So I was writing for, you know, Forbes and Fortune, Fast Company, Glamour, Marie Claire, all of these outlets. And then I realized, oh, wait, what I'm doing late at night, early in the morning, on weekends, is what I should be doing, you know, for my full-time career. So I decided to go back to school and got my degree in journalism from Columbia. That's so interesting. So at what point, how many years were you into your career when you decided to go back to school? It was 2019 and I graduated in 2011. So a pretty long time. Wow. So what, I guess, prompted, yeah, what prompted that decision to actually go back and get a degree versus just getting that hands-on experience? I think that I, one factor was, I was already in New York City and Columbia has a fantastic journalism program. So I said to myself, all right, I'm going to apply just to Columbia. And if I get in, I'll go. And so I didn't really go through the process of taking exams and like applying to a whole bunch of schools. I was just like, let's see what happens here. Um, And it worked out. And I think it was, I kind of wanted to get the fundamentals of journalism and really understand okay, how should I be doing this? You know, what's the best way to get information from a source? What's the best way to find sources? Um, How can I structure a story? Like the more uh, kind of nitty gritty that I I didn't really know as much of as I was doing it on my own. I really had no background in it. I just kind of started. And were you working full-time when you were going to school? No, it was really nice. I stopped working full time. I did a little bit of freelance work on the side, but I was mainly just in school, which was really fun. That's awesome to have that chance to go back and devote 
that time and attention to a degree and something that you've now learned you're passionate about. Definitely. Um, so how would you have defined success when you first started your career, kind of when you were in college and you started your career as a paralegal and how has that evolved over your career? I think one of the biggest mistakes I made early in my career uh, is that I kind of define success as what sounds good to other people. So like what sounds good if I'm at a cocktail party and somebody asks, oh, you know, what do you do? And as I've gotten older, I really honed in more on like, what do I want and like what makes me happy? And so now I kind of define success as like, am I helping people both you know, I write service journalism mostly. So like, am I, is the content that I'm writing or editing now helping people and making a difference, hopefully? Um, and also, you know, am I happy? Am I proud of the work I'm doing? Am I a nice coworker? Am I, you know, nice to people I've met in my professional network? Like that's so important to me. And I think that's also success. And I think I'm also realizing that having the lifestyle you want can be another form of success. I think when you and I graduated, there was a lot of this like hustle culture and like lean in girl boss kind of thing. And as I'm gotten older, like I've had more of an appreciation for working hard when I'm at work, you know, giving it my all, but also realizing that it's good to have a personal life and it you're, you're going to do better work at work if you do have some kind of balance. And I think especially as, you know, Right now, I don't have kids, but when I have kids someday and, you know, I'm going to want to focus more on family, I think having the lifestyle you want also is, makes you successful. Absolutely. I think that's so interesting because I've been having a really similar revelation myself. And there's a part of me that is wondering, does that just come with age or is that a shift in our culture? Because like you said, when we started our career, it was all about like girl boss, like my, I think the first professional development book I read was Lean, was Lean In. And yeah. it, that that was what it was. It was like, you hustle, like you work harder, you grind. And now that I am in my early thirties, I'm just like, but like, that's not what I want. Like you said, I have, I have a, a young child at home. Like I have a, a husband, like I have a whole different life that I'm trying to balance. Um, and I'm like, is it just the season of life that I'm in? Or are we as a, a culture started to, to make that shift away from, we need to work all the time too. Like it's okay to have a personal life. Yeah. I don't know. And I, yeah, maybe part of it is age. Like, you know, as you're out of your twenties, your priorities shift a little bit. Um, and, but I think part of it is the culture. Like I keep seeing everything, you know, so much on social media about quiet quitting and lazy girl jobs. I don't, I don't like the term, but I like the idea of having work-life balance or what I like to call work-life work-life integration, because you're never going to have a perfect balance. Like that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. But um, yeah, I think especially during the pandemic, people have kind of stepped back and reflected more and realized like, I can't give everything to my job. I want to have a life outside of work too. And, you know, that flexibility with having remote work and, you know, companies, providing more wellness, like EAPs. Um, and I'm trying to remember what they, oh, employee, employee assistance programs is what it stands for, but it's like therapy, basically mm-hmm. a, a few therapy sessions. Um, 
I think there's a lot more focus on well-being at work. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I read a really fantastic book this year um, called The Good Enough Job by Simone Stalzoff, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And it it really helps hold that mirror up to your relationship with work. And like you said, that work-like integration and, and really caused me to reflect on like, what do you want from work? And what does that look like for you? Because I really think that definition of success has shifted and um, I agree with you about the lazy girl's job. I love the concept of it. I hate the name. It's such a terrible name for like yeah, such a, a good end result of what people are trying to achieve. Absolutely. It seems a little like misogynistic, sexist, but she, I read an interview with her and she was like, I knew the term would be controversial, but I also knew it would pick up steam. And I was like, okay, I get it. Um, you're right. That term in a headline does really well but it does kind of take away from the the messaging a bit. So what would you say is your biggest takeaway from those first 10 years of your career? Yeah, I think so much of it is really stepping back and thinking about what you want and what's best for you. And I have an exercise in the book called Start, Stop, Continue. And it's basically like when you're job searching, or like thinking of a career shift, whatever it is, think about what you want to stop, what you want to start and what you want to continue and find a job that way. So really like thinking about what is it I want? What is it that I'm good at? What are my weaknesses? And, you know, finding what it is that you're going to be happy doing because you're going to be a lot more successful when you're enjoying what you do and you're playing to your strengths. And I think maybe earlier in my career, I would just kind of okay, this job wants me, I'm going to work on it, work there. Okay, you know, this sounds really cool. I'm going to work there. Oh, this is, you know, the most prestigious job I've been offered. I'm going to work there without really thinking, okay, well, what do I want? And I wish I had thought like that earlier in my career, but I'm happy that I do now. So you went to to graduate school. That's about where your 10 year mark was. Where where have you been since? Will it help us connect the dots from then to where you are today? Yeah. So after graduating, I interned at Forbes and then did breaking news reporting there. So I was doing breaking news there during the pandemic, um, which was wild and, you know, both exhilarating and extremely difficult. Um, and then I stayed on and worked on a couple projects with them. One that I really loved was 50 over 50 which was highlighting women over 50 who were like making big pivots in their careers. Um, And a couple other lists that I was working on. And then I started working at Monster full-time and have been there ever since. And I love it. Oh, that's awesome. And you alluded to your book. So in 2020, actually it came out in April, 2020, you wrote your book, What Next? Your five-year plan for life after college. And I have to say, this is the book that I wish that I had when I graduated. I read it, what was I, seven, I was like seven, eight years into my career when I read it. And I was like, where was this when I graduated in 2013? Like, it's so actionable and tangible. And just, it's such a great graduation gift for anyone coming out of college, because it really does give you all of those tools and, and tactics that you need to kind of kick off those first five years of your career. So I'd love to know where the inspiration for the book came from. I know you said you started writing your blog and you were talking about these conversations that you and your friends were having, but what, how did that lead into a book? It was such a once in a lifetime thing. Um, I had been writing the blog for a number of years. It was 
2019 and I got an email. I was interning at Forbes at the time, um, still doing a little bit of freelance writing on the side, still keeping up with my blog. And I got an email from an acquisitions editor at Simon & Schuster who said, my imprint at Simon & Schuster is Adams Media. And she said, you know, we want to write a book about a five-year plan and guide to life after college. And we, you know, read your blog and we thought you'd be the right person for it. And so I still had to put together a book proposal and work with my agent. Um, But, you know, to kind of explain how I would approach it, what chapters I would have, you know, some writing samples, the introduction to the book. Uh, But it was a lot easier, obviously, to land that book deal when they came to me. So it was just a once in a lifetime thing. Amazing. So I'm curious because they came to you with the idea. So if you could have done it again and had your own first book again, what would that topic be about? It's funny. So I had been working for a little over a year, I think, on a book proposal with my agent. So I'd already had an agent and it was taking the career profiles that I've done for both my site and Forbes. So I've interviewed, I think, more than 200 women about their career paths and advice. And I started doing that because I didn't know what I wanted to do for my career. So I was like, all right, let me you know, reach out to women I admire and find out how they figured it out. Um, and so I wanted it to be a book of career profiles and like the best advice that I've received from them. But who knows, maybe that'll come up again in someday. Oh, I love that. And now it's it's kind of full circle because now here you are giving advice to everyone listening. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So your book is divided into four different parts. So it's career, finances, wellness, and relationships. Can you walk me through some of the highlights of each part and what someone really needs to consider as it relates to um, those different components in their early career? Yeah. So the career section both has job search advice. So everything from how to write a resume and a cover letter and a thank you note after the interview to applying online and getting your resume past the applicant tracking systems by using the right keywords uh, to negotiating your offer. And then the career section has everything from strengthening work relationships um, to dealing with imposter syndrome to staying organized at work. Uh, And then the wellness chapter has everything, you know, mental health, which I think is something that's so, so important. And unfortunately, in a way is still stigmatized now. And it's so silly to me because if you broke your arm, you would go to a doctor and you would talk about it. Like there's, to me, mental health is just as important as physical health. Uh, So the book also includes physical health, you know, setting up fitness routines and eating well. Um, And then relationships has both romantic relationships and friendships and the way friendships, you may have seen this kind of shift in your thirties or your twenties and thirties kind of shift a bit and how to be a good friend, how to be supportive, the types of friends that you need, I that I think you need. Um, and then finance has everything. It has how to set a budget. It has, you know, should I rent or should I buy? If I want to buy a place, what do I need to think about? It has some advice on investing, you know, whether or not you need a financial planner. So it really touches on a lot of the things that you uh, need to know as you're navigating life after college. Absolutely. Like I said, it was like everything that I was like, I had to learn the hard way. And I'm like, if I just had this as a manual, (laughs) how much time that would have saved. 
Um, you touched on a few things I wanted to, to dig into. So you mentioned imposter syndrome. I'd love to know if there was a time in your career that you experienced imposter syndrome and how you overcame that. So you give some really good tips in the book of how to, you can do that, but I'd love to know your own personal experience. Yeah, I think probably everyone's experienced imposter syndrome. Um, and I think that even though I had written so many articles and written so much content and written for really big publications and started my own site. Um, when I got the book deal, it was a really, really tight timeline. So I think I had three or four months to write the book and then a few months to edit it. And I was working full time and I was working in Jersey City. And so I was like, can I do this? Like, am I going to be able to write and research and write this book so, so quickly and put it out in the world. And I was like, I don't know if I could do it. And actually people in my life said, you shouldn't do it. Like this is, that's too much. It's wild. Like it, it won't be your best work if you're rushing. And I said, okay, if I sign this, I know I'm going to do it because, you know, I signed my name and this is happening and I'm getting an advance. And I just have to make it work. And it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. But I was definitely nervous. So how did you tune out that noise of people telling you not to? I think I'm kind of a decisive person. So once I decide something, it's kind of like full steam ahead. So I think, you know, as you get older too, you learn to listen to yourself more. And I think maybe that's even what I was realizing in my career. Instead of listening to the outside of like what sounds most prestigious, listening to what I want. And I think that was the same thing here of like, okay, people are saying maybe this isn't a good idea, but can I do it? You know, can I make this work? Let me figure out how to do it. And then once you make a decision, you just kind of make a plan for how it's going to work. And I, I, I think you can make it happen. Do you have any good time management tips for how you were able to squeeze all of that in while you're working full time? Coffee. <laughs> waking up really early staying up really late but um I one thing that I did there was there's an author Hannah Horans who writes fiction books that I really like they're like rom com kind of books mm -hmm. and she had been sharing her word count on Instagram and so I started doing that every day I would say like here's the amount of words I wrote and that was kind of fun and helped to keep me accountable um and just having like you know this is advice for anyone, like when you have a really big thing that you have to do, a big goal, breaking it down into manageable steps and then, you know, celebrating those accomplishments along the way. So like chapter one done, like great. Chapter two done, you know, great, et cetera. Um, being able to break things down makes it a lot less overwhelming. And I kind of just thought of it, okay, each section is like a blog post. I, I write, I've written a thousand blog posts. Each section is like an article. I've written a thousand articles and then it becomes a lot more manageable. I love that. For anyone who may not know, how many words would you say like a standard nonfiction book is? Ooh, I want to say that mine is around like 80,000 words. Yeah. So it's like a lot of words and probably a standard, like <laughs> a standard blog post is probably anywhere from like 500 to 1500. So yeah, that's, that's a great bite-sized way to look at approaching something like this. I mean, this is super tangible when it comes to words, but you can kind of apply that to different aspects of your life. Absolutely. Awesome. So you had mentioned too, that um, there's a whole chapter in your book that focuses on, on mental health. And this came out, I believe it was April of 2020. So right in early 2020. So 
Yeah. How, how at all would you say, like, is there any advice that you have in there that maybe you change or emphasize now that we've all experienced this global pandemic? Um, that's such a good question. So yes. So the book was done and at the printer, you know, right when COVID was happening. So I think obviously there would be sections on remote work and how to make remote work work for you and how to, you know, create relationships when you're working remotely, how to stay in touch with your boss when you're working remotely, how to, you know, not drive people crazy on Slack, like all of these things <laughs> um, that maybe we hadn't thought thought about. Um, that would definitely be in there. And I think, you know, job searching on Slack, I'm sorry, job searching remotely would definitely be in there, you know, video interviewing and uh, trying to get a feel for the work culture when you're just in this small screen with someone would be in there. Um, social distancing, like how to stay in touch with friends and family when you're, when you can't physically be with them would also be in there. Um, yeah, there, there would be a little bit more of the, the understanding the remote world in there and kind of taking care of yourself, both physically and mentally in that. So what's your best work from home tip? Do you have a go-to that you fall back on? One that honestly I don't do every day, but I try to do is keeping my phone on the other side of the room, like resist temptation to just focus on work. Because uh, how many times a day do we look at our phones? So many times a All day. the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's such strong willpower that you have. Yeah. I'm always like, well, what if someone calls? What if someone tests? I need it like right in front of me. So that's truly amazing that you can put it on uh -huh. the other side of the room. <laughs> I tried to. I tried to. So you kick off the book by talking about making a five-year plan. And I think this is a really interesting topic because I recently wrote an article that was talking about the myth of the five-year plan and how mm -hmm. they don't always work as, as someone who's now a bit skeptical that my five-year plan kind of went out the window. Um, so what's your advice for people whose five-year plans just go awry? They have this plan, they've mapped everything out and it just does not go as planned. Yeah. Well, one thing I have in the book too, is that like, it's okay for your five-year plan to change. You know, it's not set in stone. You must do this. Like so many things happen in your life. You know, you could fall in love and start having kids and, you know, buy a house and all of these things can kind of, you know, you could be laid off from a job and then find a new job. Like things change. It's more like understanding, having a plan of what you want and then having the flexibility to know that it's okay for that to change. So it's good to have, you know, a map of where you want to go. Absolutely. Um, but you might take a detour or drive off somewhere totally different. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Taking a detour, like just completely going like out of the country. <laughs> I yeah. feel like for some of us, Mars looks um, good. <laughs> get on that rocket ship. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you had to pick, what's your favorite piece of advice in your entire book? Mm. I don't know if I, if it explicitly says it in the book, but uh, definitely work hard and be nice to people. I think that's the key. It's, you know, working hard will only get you so far you actually have to be someone that people like to work with and you'll be happier and healthier and 
if you're, if you focus on like collaboration, not competition, I think that's just so important. Like you can be the hardest worker in the world, but if you're a jerk and no one wants to work with you, it doesn't really matter so much. I absolutely agree. And I think that's become even more prevalent since the pandemic because we can't not bring our humans to work. I'm a big advocate for that. Like there has to be a level of transparency there because we are not just workers. We are humans and parents and, and siblings and daughters and all of these things. So you have to remember that first and foremost, that we're all people and it's nice to be nice to people. <laughs> not yeah, to put it too simply, sure. but it is. <laughs> it is. No, yeah. Work hard and be nice to people is really good advice. It's a great motto. So in your current role, you're in tune with a lot of different career topics and advice. And I'd love to know as it relates to Gen Z and millennials, what's a topic that's on everyone's mind lately? I know we touched on the lazy girl job, but what's, what's kind of trending at the moment? Yeah, I mean, that's one that I find really interesting, the lazy girl jobs, quiet quitting. Um, and really, it's more about like, finding that work like work life integration, and, you know, bringing your whole self to work and not thinking that you can't you have to like, completely lose your personality when you're at work, or that you have to work 24 seven and can't take breaks. Um, I think those are two things that I'm seeing a lot of. What are some good tips that people can use for work-life integration? Because I think that's so key that you can't come to work and turn your human off and you can't be at home and completely turn work off, maybe more so than the other way around, but there has to be a good way to do that. And I think it's, there's some onus on the, the employee, but also on the company that they're working for. But how would you best approach that? I think it's tough. It definitely depends on the job. Like I've worked at jobs where... I was always on email and even checking my email when I was like on a bike doing spin class or like doing yoga. And part of it is like, you kind of do have to follow what is expected in the workplace. Like it's hard to set clear boundaries like, oh, I won't do this if like that's not what the company culture is. So I guess part of it is like finding a company culture that works for you. Like, you know, at Monster pretty much, I don't have my email on my phone, I don't think anyone really does. And so like at the end of the day, you close your computer and you're done. And that's really nice. So like, I think that if you get into a workplace where you have to be on 24 seven and that just doesn't work for your life, um, you know, finding something that works better. It is hard when there are expectations at work to always be accessible. Um, Especially earlier in your career, it's hard to be like, Oh, nope, it's five o'clock. I'm done. Like, see you later. I'm not checking email. I'm not checking anything. So maybe it is partly like finding the jobs that allow you to have the lifestyle you want. That's so interesting that you don't have email on your phone because I don't, I think I've ever lived in a world where that's not the case. Is that, was that just kind of the culture when you walked in? Like that was just a kind of agreed upon by everybody? I think so, or at least maybe my team, but yeah, it's, it's nice. That's awesome. That's a, it's a good point that you bring up, like if you're earlier in your career, that there is an aspect you can't, you, you need to work hard. There's always going to be hard work um, involved in your job and to kind of succeed. But how do you find that balance when you are earlier there? I think you can find that great company culture, but do you think that the, the younger generations are a little bit more inhibited if they're more prone to the lazy girl jobs or jobs they just want to go to their nine to five and come home? Like, what does that look like? I think, I think, I do think Gen Z in general cares more about 
company culture. Like they really care about diversity and inclusion initiatives. They really care about like the mission of the company. They really care about having that work-life balance. They really care about the company culture. And I think that's great because that is all going to, if, if companies want talent and they want to be able to recruit Gen Z and millennial talent, they're going to have to probably shift a little bit and really focus on those things. So I think that, you know, maybe what they're demanding is actually going to be really beneficial. Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of what that shift looks like in the next 5, 10, 15 years as they become more of our workforce. It's going to be really fascinating to see how companies adapt. And I think they're also maybe a little bit more entrepreneurial, so a little bit less like, you know, so basically uh, entrepreneurs are, I think I said it wrong, but entrepreneurs, you know, they start their own businesses. Intrapreneurs are people who kind of shift things in their company and say like, oh, what if we try this? And what if we try this? And like, they're creating new verticals if they're doing content or they're creating whole new projects or they're creating a podcast at work or whatever it is. And I think that Gen Z and millennials are maybe more entrepreneurial. And so they're finding those things and thinking, you know, bringing fresh air almost and like, okay, maybe you've always done it this way, but let's try doing something different. And I think that's great too. I love that term entrepreneur because I think, especially when we, we grew up in our careers, like if you wanted to, to succeed or do your own thing, you had to start your own company. Like that's what it was. It's like, you have to leave corporate or leave your job and become an entrepreneur. And now I was like, I don't think that's always the case. Like there is, you can be a great employee and have a great career inside of a company and do really great work. Um, and I love that like corporate girlies is becoming like more of a thing, like people just owning the fact that like, yes, like I like to go to my nine to five. I like yeah. to go to my employer. And I, I love the term entrepreneur that you can kind of drive your career in whichever way that you see it at a company that you love to work at. Definitely. And also like the stability, there's nothing like stability, you know, it's nice to have benefits. Uh, it's nice to have a nine to five. It's nice not to like constantly be like, at least from the freelance world hustling, like, oh, I need this next article or, oh, I need to pitch this and that. Um, And starting a business also like, that's not easy if you're creating a product or you're, you know, hiring workers. So like it is, if you can be entrepreneurial and kind of have that startup vibe, I guess, in a workplace, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, I agree. So what are you currently excited about in your career as you look into the future as yourself, as Alana Lynn Gross, your author, journalist, what are you excited about? Definitely, you know, on the monster side, continuing to write hiring and management advice that helps companies have a better hiring process, um, as well as helping their employees, creating a good company culture, you know, doing things that are ethical. That is important for me at work, um, as well as now I'm doing a little bit of the career advice content too, which I've always loved. That was my first love, I think, um, in writing. And kind of now I'm a little bit more focused on promoting the book too, which has been exciting. I It came out April of 2020. It came out you know, when the world was literally falling apart at a terrible, terrible time. And it almost felt icky almost, I think, to do a lot of promotion, even though I knew the book would be so helpful and like 
helping graduates that were graduating at such an unprecedented time. But um, I'm a little bit focused more now on on working on that. And that's fun having that little kind of thing on the back burner that I'm doing. It's refreshing. It's like breathing new life into this book that's now been been in the world for three years now. So that's exciting. How can people support you, find you, purchase the book if they want to learn more? That'd be great. Uh, So the book is wherever books are sold. Uh, So you can buy it online, in bookstores. And I think one thing is definitely writing a review. And I know you wrote the nicest review on on Goodreads. So like writing reviews makes such a big difference uh, on Amazon, on Goodreads, on Barnes and Nobles, um, sharing the book on social media, all of those things make a huge difference. Awesome. I know. Yes. I'm a big Goodreads girly. (laughs) When I'm choosing my next book to read, I honestly always like, I say, oh, this looks interesting. Then I plug it into Goodreads and then, you know, check the reviews. So it, it really makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's the best book you've read lately? That's a great question. Oh, I'm loving like any of the Emily Henry books. Yes. They're, yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, her one, I just finished Happy Place and that one was really good. So good. I, my sister let me borrow Beach Read and then I proceeded to binge um, yeah. Happy Place and the people we meet on vacation. They're all, it's so good. It's everything you could want in a rom-com. <laughs> she's so good. She's, she's just incredible. She's such a good writer. Uh, she's really good at like that witty banter and like getting yes. that in her books. Yes. In that same vein, what's the best thing you've binge watched lately? So many things. Um, let's see. So my boyfriend and I have been binge watching things. So we watched all of Parks and Rec and now we're on to the office. We watched all of um, The Good Place and we watched all of the Harry Potter books or movies and now we're starting reading all the books. So gotta love a good binge. That's amazing. Have you watched yeah. Parks and Rec in the office before? Or is this the first time? No, it was the first time for both. And they're so good. Wow. Yeah, I they're know. so good. <laughs> awesome. Okay, one, well, two final questions. So what's a non-negotiable of your morning routine? Walking my dog and coffee. Oh, I love that. How do you take your coffee? I really like making iced coffee. So I'll make it, I'll make hot coffee at night and put it in the fridge. And then in the morning, it's iced coffee. I know like you brew iced coffee differently, but I don't. <laughs> so I love that. Iced coffee with a splash of almond milk. Awesome. Okay. And final question. If there was someone who's been really inspirational for you in your first 10 years of your career, who would that be? And should we have them on the podcast? Yes. <laughs> I don't really know them personally, but I interviewed them uh, for Forbes. And she's one of the people who I just loved her book um, and love what she's created. And I think she she really has that work hard, be nice to people mantra, which I think is so important. And her values, when I interviewed her, kind of aligned the most um, out of anyone I've interviewed so far. And that's uh, Lisa Sugar from Pop Sugar. Oh, awesome. I'll have to look more into her. Yeah. That's so great. Her book is well, Power sure to... I have not read that. I have so many books, as you can see, if you're watching this, um, that I need to read. I've read those ones, but I have a whole stack that you can't see that um, I'm powering through. So I'll have to add it to the list. Awesome. So I will, I'll be sure to plug all of your, 
your socials, um, your website, so people can can find your book um, and all of that good stuff. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so good to talk up. Thank you so much for tuning into my conversation with Alana. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I know I'm really looking forward to continuing to bring more conversations with guests and experts in the future. So please tune in for upcoming episodes. If you liked what you heard, please consider leaving a rating and review on wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple podcasts. It really helps amplify the show and other people's feeds. So they can find this great career advice too. If you have career advice that you're looking for, send me a, an email or a DM on Instagram at the first 10 years podcast, or email me at the first 10 years podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to help give you some advice and some guidance in an upcoming episode. I can't wait to continue this conversation with you. Your support means the world to me as I continue on this new journey of the first 10 years podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I can't wait to talk soon.